praise to you, Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the third chapter. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Everyone who does wicked thing hates the light and does not come into the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. This is the gospel of our Lord. All right, so the story of a man. He found himself in a time of need. Could have been a medical need. He could have been told that some very scary things were going on in his body and he was going to have some procedures to come and take care of it. Maybe his time of need, it was family related. Bad decisions between him and his wife, maybe some things going on with the life of his kids, something going on. But in this time of need, he was touched by the, the compassion and the love of a Christian person. He asked this Christian, he said, why would you be so good to me? I'm an old tired, worn out stranger to you. You don't know me. I don't deserve it. Christian said, God loves us. I believe that. Christian said, I believe that doing these things is my reason and my purpose as a created of God. I was just doing what I was created to do. The love of Christian moved this older man in such a way that he wanted to know more about this person's God, this Christian God. So uh, he asked about it, and he went to the church, and he enrolled in what they called a CC class, a uh, church catechism class. And over these 40 days, between this day it started and Easter, he was to learn every week, couple times a week, Wednesdays and Sundays, learn. He was to read the Bible on his own each day of the week. He was to have prayers morning, noon, and night before the meals every day during these 40 days and to engage in Christian disciplines. His learning began, as most learnings would begin, with the Old Testament. He started off with Genesis and how God loved and how God acted powerfully in his creation and he made everything for us and with us and he made us in his image and his likeness and it was good he read that story and he smiled and then he read about the fall and his heart was broke they hid from their lord they were walking with him in the garden and then they chose to hide from him and eventually they were removed from the garden and they were separated so he learned about the fall then he learned about noah and he learned about abraham Sarah. He learned about God's people in time living as slaves in Egypt. 
about how they'd been given a leader named Moses who would act on God's behalf to speak on behalf of God and to make his people come out of that place to freedom. And how God led his people from this Egyptian slavery by a pillar of cloud in the daytime and a pillar of fire at night. They were led by God visibly all times, every day. They were given water. In the midst of a desert, they were giving clean water. In the midst of a desert, this massive group of people was given provisions for food. They went from a tradition or trans, a transition from slavery into freedom, from being slaves to having a valuable lesson in their life. And these lessons in this wilderness, in this desolation, they discovered that they needed their God every day and that daily he would provide for them. They'd, they discovered their de- that God was dependable. Every day they had enough for the day, but every next day they were given another supply. God was dependable. And that this power and this love of God and this forgiveness of God was all going to be discovered as they continued the journey through these years. In the middle of the wilderness, they had the opportunity to celebrate, he continued to read, to celebrate the beauty of this intimate relationship with their God without the distractions of all the world. But, he read, they did not celebrate. They complain about Moses' leadership. They complain about God's gifts. And for the first time, we heard it today, for the first time, they even complain about God. As the 40 days of this communion catechism class continued, the man comes to discover that there is a life cycle in the Old Testament people. It goes from the top, makes a full revolution and comes back happens many times. First, it starts off with God, God's love, God's creation, God's power. He blesses the people. He adopts the people. And it's a good, beautiful place. And then the people are initially thankful and they dedicate their lives to the wonderful God. They don't let anything in the world come between them and their God. He's that important in their lives and their lives reflect it. And then they start to forget about God and they start to separate from God and they wonder why their life wasn't what it used to be. And then all of a sudden, there comes the full consequences of their fall and their way down at the bottom. And at that place, they rediscover that they needed God all along. And they start to rediscover and remember what they did that led them away from God. And they start to come back. And then God meets them. And then at a time, God chooses to love and forgive. And he enters their life with healing, hope, and salvation. And they're restored. That's a full circle. It happens time and time again. The Exodus can be dated around 1500 to 1200 BC. What the old man read in the Old Testament following the Exodus events, Exodus events all the way to the time of Christ Jesus is that the children of God never seem to learn from that circle of events of the previous generations. They never seem to learn. They have to make the same mistakes themselves all over. 1,200 years, 1,200 years, he thinks, that time and time again, God teaches and provides the way of heaven and the people initially are blessed but eventually choose the way opposite of heaven, opposite of their father. They don't even choose to be with him. They withdraw from God's love and God's provisions and then they suffer. Only when they're desperate enough do they return to their Lord and invite him into their lives. And to the man's surprise, every time he witnesses that cycle, 
God responds with love and gift, healing and forgiveness every time. The man thinks, after 1,200 years, why does God just not give up and accept the loss? About this time, he's thinking, um, he's moving into the New Testament, he's thinking, well, maybe it's going to change. The man discovers that God never quits. He never quit in the Old Testament, so now in the New Testament, he's not going to quit. He's going to send his son. He never gives up on his beloved children. He's going to give one more try. The Christian God never stops teaching about the way of heaven, even after 1,200 plus years. He father, he says, the father thinks, maybe, just maybe, if the people could see, if the people could touch and hear with their ears, see with their eyes, and they have their hearts touched by what they experience in my son as they listen to my son, maybe, just maybe, they might listen this time. They might understand the truth. They might choose a peaceful, blessed life close to me. He read, So God, with amazing love, sends his beloved son to a historically rebellious and foolish world. He sends him in human form, this son of God, to eat with the people, to provide food for them, to teach them the way, the truth, the life. The son of God will walk with them and understand their pains and their fears and their experiences in their life. He will touch them with healing and he will personally lead them who will want to follow his way. It's their choice, but if they choose his way, this male man, he read Matthew, and he read Mark, he read Luke, and when he gets to John, he gets to 3.16, and he just glows. God so loved. God so loved that he gave his one and only son. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Wow, what a statement this man discovered. That verse summarized for him the display, the full display once again of God's love for his people ever since creation displayed again in Jesus. But then, no sooner had he read verse 16 than he comes to verse 19. John three nineteen, This is the verdict. Light has come into this world. But people loved darkness instead of the light. Their deeds were evil. His high hope was wrecked. It's like destroyed. The bubble popped for him. He's sitting at home now, having read those verses, and he comes to a stop. He closes his book, closes his Bible. And as he's doing that, and he's in his moment, he's, he's eating his dinner, watching the TV, and as he's doing this in this moment, God is somehow or another making his heart tender. It's like he's taking the calluses off of his heart so he can feel again. And he's watching what's happening around the world through this television set as if he's watching it with God's eyes and God's heart and God's experiences. He's watching CNN, Fox, and the BBC channels, and he sees these events being recorded on these channels from Jesus' perspective. Strange gift he had these days. He saw in God's eyes the wealth of these people, yet the poverty of these. The freedom of these people, yet the, the oppression on the world on these. 
He witnessed and he saw on television the death of a million and a half babies a year and it hurt his heart. He saw the millions of families they're being torn apart by bad decisions of mothers and fathers and how they destroy kids and they hurt kids and it's going on. He's seen how people are callously using guns to kill each other, to take the lives of others. This man in his tender-hearted moments saw humans like Exodus snakes that we are the ones who are poisoning each other in war, starving each other with our bites, poisoning in our bites with our hate, our greed, our revenge, our neglect. And maybe worst of all, we are snakes like in that Old Testament lesson he saw, how we are biting each other with indifference, not even caring. He was tender for the first time in his life. And it overwhelmed him. He wept. This grown, strong man wept. And he cried out to God. He said, oh God, are you weeping too? Father, does your stomach ache like mine aches now as I see this ugliness in the world? Thursday came. Friday came. Saturday came. The man kept thinking about one question. What difference, Father, What difference has the effort of your son Jesus made in people's lives over the last 2,000 years? What difference has he made? He was at church on Sunday. Sunday came. He was at church hours before church was going to start. The pastor doesn't get much of a chance to park his car and start walking towards the building when this man walks straight at the pastor And he's going to present him with this challenge, with this question in his heart. It won't release him. Pastor saw him coming. He says, oh boy, here we go. He says to the pastor, Pastor, in the Old Testament, it seems to be one story after another about the people of God being blessed, being distracted by their blessings, and then falling away from the will of God. And then when they're almost to get what they deserve, God steps in and he helps them and he saves them and he loves them. It continues for the whole Testament, Pastor, right? And then after Jesus, it continues. Father, or Pastor, how can our Heavenly Father forgive such a sin-filled humanity? How? The pastor looked warmly at this older man in the sincerity of his question. He knew it wasn't just words. It was from his soul. He knew that he wasn't just talking about the biblical people 1,200 years ago, 1,000 years ago. He was actually talking about himself, about how he does that very same thing all the time. Pastor said to him, said, if I remember right, you're the third generation of a family of master furniture builders. I said, yeah. He said, tell me, if a fine rocking chair, one that your grandfather took painstaking efforts to craft and to polish and to stain. If that rocking chair that your grandfather made is dented and scratched and where the hands have gone, it's kind of worn out so you see the wood, the stain's not really there, do you just throw it away because it's used up, dented, and old? Of course not, the man replied. A scratch and a dent can hardly alter the character of one of my grandfather's fine pieces of furniture. 
pastor then continued before he said anything else. The pastor said, so if you saw in one of these beautiful tables, a deep, long crack going through the middle of it, middle of one of those boards on the, on the top of the table, and it was a table that your grandfather crafted. It was beautiful, and it was an oak table, and it just got dry, and it got cracked. Would you toss that table away and throw it out because it was cracked? Throw it away? The old man exclaimed. Even with the number of scratches, dents, and cracks, quality furniture, my grandfather's furniture, was precious and it's valuable. The pastor paused and he replied, You have spoken like a true craftsman. Now that you share that, know that you share that spirit with our Heavenly Father, who continues to find his children precious and valuable in spite of our obvious and consistent flaws. The old man paused and thought. Turned around, he entered the church with the pastor and there he prayed and he said, God, thanks for the insight. Thank you for the hope. Thank you for seeing me valuable in spite of my flaws. And a big smile came for his face for many years. Now, this biblical witness, it remains intact. What we've described today, starting with God, blessed by God, forgetting about God, putting our needs, our wants, our agendas first, getting down and away from God in the bottom, begging for forgiveness and the hardships of life and coming back. That has been repeated for thousands of generations. The verdict is still out. John 3.16, God so loved. God so loved that he gave his son. That everyone who believes will not perish but have eternal life. John 3.19 exists too. People loved darkness. Those two things being remembered, the good news for us. The good news is that God's love and God's forgiveness, God's power to heal and establish life will never be overcome. The darkness does not win. The light prevails. The light will shine in the darkness and the darkness will never overcome it, says that same book of John. God is merciful. The Old Testament people understood this. After those generations of 1,200 years, the Old Testament people knew this to be true, that God is merciful, He is slow to anger, and He is abounding in steadfast love. To this day, the Jewish people hold that truth to be true. Their God is merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. That is how they understand their Heavenly Father. And the Christians, God still loves in us. He loves us so much that even from the cross, he would forgive. For the ones that drove the spikes, he says, Father, forgive. If he can forgive the ones who hated, whipped, mistreated, cursed, and drove spikes, he can surely forgive us. Are we sinful? Oh, yeah. Consistently. Are we precious and are we valuable? Absolutely. That's the one we hold on to. It's not about me. It's about our Father. As each piece of furniture is handcrafted for a reason and a purpose, so are we. 
We are crafted in our Father's image, in our Father's likeness, so that we will know Him, so that we will walk with Him, that we'll have communion with Him. We are crafted by our Father so that we might mature in a relationship as we journey through this life with Him. Not going away from Him, but side by side, close to walk with Him in holiness. Can't walk with Father if you're not striving for His holiness. You're deceiving yourself if you say anything other than that. And then the third beast is that He crafted us that we would share this news like the Christian did with that man when the first story started. He has made us in His image and His likeness so that all those who do not know about Him, who are fallen away from Him, might hear the good news that His love is greater than their sin and that we are valuable in His sight regardless of the condition of our lives.